0: log talk radio
1: it's sunday evening and welcome to blog talk radio your hosts for tonight's show are robert brining and jeremy dunn they'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week you're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us the number to call is three four seven two one five ninety four forty two that number again Three four seven two one five ninety-four forty two. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio.
0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining, joined by my co-host this evening, Jeremy Dunn from North Carolina. How's it going, man?
1: <laughs> you had to throw that in, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, good old MC. Yeah, good old MC. <laughs> woo
0: <laughs> no, nah, because I, I think it's cool. I want people to know that you, you know what I mean—that you're in North Carolina and you know I'm in Pennsylvania. And when Jack does it, he's in New York, and you know what I mean it's, it's kind of cool. So I like to throw that in sometimes.
1: Yeah, we're scattered <laughs> all throughout. We're we're kind of like fairy dust. Mm. We just blow with Very the wind. True. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how funny. are you, man?
1: I'm I'm good. I'm good. Gosh, it's been two weeks, hasn't it? Yes, it has. This that, is too long, Robert. We we have to talk about that because I get confused.
0: Yeah, we'll have to figure something out. <laughs>
1: I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. Okay. So anyway, what what has happened in the last two weeks? Well, um, new tattoo. I think yes, I saw I've seen. that on Facebook. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's getting color in June. Um. And Michael Lee Howard just called me a slacker. Ha, ha, ha. And uh-huh. um, so, so the tattoo's getting colored in June, and I got braces a week ago. Oh, wow. I know. That, I, did you I, have them before I, when you were younger? I did. I had them in high school, or junior high, high school. Oh, did I? So uh, and so I decided, you know what? I've got these spaces in my teeth. And I know I don't need the braces. It was just. Purely vanity.
0: <laughs>
1: it's the big V, and and I have no shame in saying that. You know, it's like God. I've always wanted that million dollar smile. You, you know, I, that that, I hear you. that 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 smile that just knocks people's socks off. So paying out the nose to get it and all that stuff. But anyway, no, no one. Oh well, look, you, you know, mean- it. What's
0: that? I was going to say, you're about to plan a wedding, so you know what I mean? Yeah. I would be, you're okay. You don't have to be vain in your pre wedding days and weeks and months. But, but, but <laughs> I'm going to have the braces at the wedding. Oh. Oh, I thought you were putting them on like beforehand. My, actually, my friend Lori got married, and she had on, I believe they were braces, and she had them, she literally had them taken off for her wedding day and then put back on.
1: Oh no, I'm
0: I'm gonna do the Photoshop thing. That's <laughs> hey, you, you know we gotta love Photoshop. <laughs> I love Photoshop. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So um, let's see. Today I had um, uh, my nephew uh, made his holy communion.
1: Yeah, apparently you got buzzed on the communion wine.
0: Yeah, I got. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't go to the communion at at the mass. Um, but I went to, like, the party afterwards. Um, uh-huh. So, and, and it was cool. You know, I got to hang out and see everybody. But it was so funny. I got to tell everybody this story because my nephew's eight years old, and his name's Liam, and he's so cute. And, you know, he, I guess nowadays, I don't remember when I got my communion This being offered to my mother, um, but they now ask the parents if the child can taste the wine. So you go up and you get yeah, the...
1: One more time?
0: You, if they can taste the wine. They can drink the wine because you're supposed to, like, you know, taste the body, eat the body, taste the wine. So I guess they use –
1: it's not real wine. Body of Christ, blood of Christ. uh, Right. The the whole communion thing is just gross to me. You're eating a dead man. (laughs) What part of, (laughs) um, like, Night of the Living Dead is this? Go.
0: <laughs> oh, no, but um, no I, he, they sorry. actually get. They, no, you're fine. They actually give him. They give the kids grape juice, but they call it wine, you right. know, and it's just a thing to do symbolic, whatever. So, long story short, Liam goes, You know, mom, I really want to taste the wine. You know, how come you said no? Because they sent home a note. And she's like, I don't want you drinking out of that. You know, you, know you, you can taste wine at home or something. You know, you don't have to taste the wine. And he's like, Mom, you know, I really want to get all of Jesus. And if I don't drink the wine, I'm only getting half of Jesus. <laughs> And my sister busted her ass laughing so hard because he wanted all of Jesus. <laughs> I thought it was so cute.
1: That's awesome. I can't get drunk with just half of Jesus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it was so cute, little eight-year-old kid saying that, you know what I mean? So
1: it was oh, really cool. I, it, was the, it was the
0: laugh of the party all day.
1: Oh, that's just terrific. Oh, my God. Oh so let's
0: see who's, I just want to see who's uh, okay. For the people in the chat room, you um, our first-time listeners, we're a little out of it tonight, it seems. <laughs> um, but I want to thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we are here every Sunday um, at 9 pm. We offer you your dose of hope by sharing personal stories of people living with HIV or AIDS or affected by the disease, or maybe work for an ASO. Um, and we'd like to talk about the amazing work that they do. Last week we had on Brandon Moxada from the ADAPT Advocacy Association. That was a tongue twister for me last week. I couldn't get it out, and Jack and Brandon were laughing at me the whole night. <laughs> but um, he came on and he, talked, he spoke about the importance of ADAPT and how important it is for Obama to end the wait. So um, yeah. I think it's um, very interesting.
1: Well, they need to take it – you know. and part of it is they need to take it away from the state's control and put it at the federal control. And um, but but the other problem with that is then have you go out the money, yada, yada, yada. But I I do have to tell everybody that's listening that um, I just want to thank everybody. I know this might be premature, but um, North Carolina, the governor here, Bev Bev Perdue, has added the 14 million dollars that they cut from ADAP back into this year's budget. So it goes to the legislature to get voted on, so hopefully um uh, we'll be fully funded and the waiting list will end here in North Carolina by um May or June.
0: Well that's, so that's awesome. awesome. That is-
1: yeah, that, that is great. So I mean there there have been a lot of us who have just been on the phone constantly um with um our uh local and state representatives. Um, some of us, like myself, I've also been calling um, our 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 federal reps. So in Congress and our in our senator representative, Senate representatives. So it, it's it's been a a, bl- a big push, and we're not giving up by any means. But but everybody, and it's interesting because there is a huge disparity in, with with aid and I know we're not t- supposed to talk about this tonight. But anyway. Um, in the southeastern states—Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, North Carolina, South Carolina—these states, they're all in the southeast. They all have these, and they all have big waiting lists. So, um, if you're in one of those states, please give your representatives a call and tell them that it's unacceptable. Anyway, okay, I'm done.
0: Well, yeah, that's how you do it, and uh, you can definitely listen to uh, last week's show in the archives, either on iTunes or on Blog Talk Radio and um, learn about ADAPT and um, the importance of it and all the events that the ADAPT Advocacy Association are having uh, so you can come out and have a good time. So, cool. So, tonight we have a really, really, really great guest on tonight. I'm really, really excited to have him on. I know he told me, uh, he emailed me earlier, he's a little bit nervous So <laughs> get him a little bit nervous as he's sitting on hold now.
1: <laughs> um,
0: he's going, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> it, it, you know what? We don't want to make him to laugh too
1: much because we don't want him to pop a stitch or anything. <laughs> <laughs> something sorry, else. I had to, it, it was there, I <laughs>
0: took it,
1: sorry, Herman, but I, I had to say it, anyway, anyway.
0: All right, so the, uh, tonight we're going to have on uh, one of the members of I am. his name is Herman Young, and he is um, HIV positive and was diagnosed in 2002, and he underwent a liver transplant, um, which was somewhat historical in Michigan, because he's the only one only patient in the state of Michigan to receive a liver transplant plant who is HIV positive to this day.
1: So please He's help me in welcoming. Transplanted too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Herman Young, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you guys doing? Good, good. good. You? you sound great. Can you hear me well? Perfect.
1: We can hear you. Can you hear us?
2: Yes, I can hear you very well, thanks. <laughs> well, I've, only been, I've only listened once, so I, I see you guys are a lot more, it's a lot more relaxed than I thought it was going to be.
1: <laughs> yeah. <There's some> <laughs> it's also like when my grandmother calls, can you, can you hear me? Yes, grandmother, I can hear you, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I, can you hear me? So, w- we can hear you. <laughs> so, Herman, welcome to the show. Herman. Herman. Uh oh, did we lose him? Hi. Uh, can you hear me? I have. Oh, we yeah, you. Can you hear me now. You yeah. Okay, guys. Right. Yeah,
0: I have um the
2: new Motorola droid sometimes flips out of being able to hear me, so I'll have to be very careful. Okay.
1: Well oh, you have that really awesome cool phone.
2: It's yeah, it's a lot of fun,
0: but sometimes it doesn't work that well.
1: <laughs> when you're on a phone. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what happens when something you buy something new that like just came out. I hate that. Right. Nice. No, so anyway, Herman, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank the you conference. very much. Herman love the show. Woo. Woo. <laughs> Thank you. Yay. I'm, uh, so I am we excited to be here. Great, because we're excited to have you. I know we were going to have you on last month, but you uh, came into uh, a couple things that caused you not to be able to come on. So I'm glad that you were able to come back on, and we could reschedule you so quickly. Thank you. I
2: appreciate it. Yeah, I was worried about that. But um, I had just lost a close friend, so I had just gotten back from Chicago, so I was kind of like in an, a sad mood and wasn't feeling very upbeat. But, um, but we've we snapped back from that. Well, that's good. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry to hear about your friend, but I'm glad you're thank you. coming back into it.
0: Yes, thank you. All is well.
1: So so where are you
0: from, Herman, and and where, where were you born and raised at? Tell us a little uh, history behind uh, before you were diagnosed. Uh, well, I was born in 1970 in
2: Flint, Michigan. Um, I'm the youngest of seven. And uh, so when I was born, my oldest siblings were already uh, graduating high school. So there's quite a huge age difference there. And... Um, As far as uh, life leading up to that was pretty good, as far as, you know, with the whole gay thing and everything, I came out very comfortably. Um, I lived in Chicago for 15 years, and um, it was uh, the end of 2002, beginning of 2003, that I uh, diagnosed positive. So, um, and for me, I mean, it wasn't really that much of a shock. I knew I had an experience that was questionable. And um, so when I kind of started to get that whole glandular issue, I kind of accepted that it was a possibility. And um, uh, fortunately, I didn't have any emotional issues in regards to accepting it. Um, so as far as, you know,
0: accepting and dealing with the whole HIV thing, I've actually been very fortunate. That's great. Now, you said you were the youngest of seven. Um, are you the yes. only sibling that is gay? Yes, I am. And now you said That's that it was kind a good of <laughs> Did you, have, you said you had a lot of support from your family and all that when you came out
2: yeah well actually ironically um, when, my, when I was like two or three my father told me this after my mother passed away she passed away when I was 11 and my um, she had told my father to be prepared that um, her, the youngest boy was going to be gay and she just knew um, when, when I was older, older uh, yeah when I was 21 I actually had a sit down chat with my dad and he had told me that she had informed him of this and he never wanted to accept it. Um, We were having a conversation about him not accepting me after all these years and he finally said, you know, if your mother could accept you, then that um, he would eventually accept it, he just needed some time. So everyone in my family pretty much knew, of course, except for me, even though I knew. Um, But once I came out, it was just like, everything was, you know, celebrated and it was like everything was the way it was supposed to be. So um, I was very fortunate in regards to that.
0: Very well. And how does does that, um, does that parallel the same way for your diagnosis? Uh, Yeah, it does considerably. Uh, I think it just has to do with um, a lot of it comes
2: from within you. I mean, I liked who I was when I came out of the closet, so it kind of, you know, I wasn't unhappy about it, so people kind of took that um, to heart and said, well, if he's okay with it, it's his life, I'm going to be okay with it. Um, the same thing when I expressed, you know, to my family that, you know, I was positive. Of course, they were concerned. Um, they had to educate themselves and they didn't really know what it meant. Um, uh, my sister asked me after spending a week with her before I told her, um, she asked if, uh, she needed to be worried. And I basically, I rather frankly told her, well, you and I haven't blank blanked, so you don't have to worry about it.
1: <laughs> um, and, and what's uh, the blank blank. I want to know. You know, Fill in anything you
2: want to fill in there, but um, they you know they were a little misguided and and they didn't quite understand. So, um, but yeah, fortunately, I mean, I, a lot of it just had to do with the fact that I was, okay, ironically, okay with it. And a lot of other people, friends of mine, have you know it's been a changing point in their life for the worst. Um, I think it's made me a better person actually, and I liked who I was beforehand. So, um, some people might not agree with that, but you know when. What can you do to change it? You know, there's nothing I can do to change that. So I might as well make a positive out of it. No pun intended.
1: <laughs> I think that's great. So Herman, this is Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. And hello. And so <laughs> I was looking um, at a couple of your pictures. Yeah. That um, that it, this amazing transformation. I mean, you go from being this yellow. Oh, Yeah. To that scary? when you were a 39th birthday, which was last year? Yes. To being like this pasty Michigan boy again.
2: <laughs> I know, right?
1: <laughs> it's like, holy cow, week in Bahamas and then no sun. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, it,
2: was, it was bad. And, and the, the scary thing was, is, I mean, that coloration, I, I had, when I started to turn yellow and they told me that my liver had, um had failed, um, within a two-week period of time, it had only been 12 days since I, um, I was taking those two medications. Um, I, my eyes were so yellow that I couldn't really tell that I was changing colors. Um, right. I went to get my haircut, and my my barber said, "Herman, your neck is horribly yellow." And I said, "Yeah, you know, I just kind of heard a little bit about that, like no big deal." And I was a little embarrassed, but um, so I went to the tanning salon and I tanned twice just to kind of maybe change it to brown. Well, something about when your when your liver isn't working, um, tan skin hangs on for a long time. I had that I had that tan for about a year and a half after my transplant because of that. But yeah, the pictures are a bit the pictures are a bit scary, but I I'm comfortable sharing them because it kind of shows what you know what can happen and in a very short period of time.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, and that you picture a really huge scar to prove it too.
2: Yeah, that's my little beauty mark. That's what my family
1: calls it. My beauty mark. The beauty mark.
2: Yeah, so, it's my new beauty mark.
1: So I was reading your. I was reading your bio uh-huh. because I do the research like that. I don't know if Rob does. Um, <laughs>
0: <just>
1: kidding. Um, <laughs> so you went from being HIV positive to going on to a triple. Correct. and and, I, and 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 for the audience i am completely paraphrasing here um and or condensing i should say and then yeah. after how much time were you actually on the a tripla and and the lovastatin
2: um actually you... well to give you um i was on the tripla by itself for about 7 months okay. um and my numbers weren't all that bad, but they thought that that was why I was, uh, I was misdiagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma because my glands were so swollen.
0: Mm-hmm. But my
2: um, HIV numbers were pretty normal, so they thought, well, it's got to be cancer. And then um, when I came back to Michigan, one doctor said, well, let's just try this at Tripla. It's a once-a-day pill. You're going to trip out the first week, and then you should be fine. Um, and it was kind of crazy at first. Uh, I had a lot of crazy dreams. But my next visit in three weeks, Um, my numbers were improving um, considerably and my glance had gone down. So they're like, oh, that's it. So I was excited about that. Um, But the only thing, at my six-month checkup, which would have been seven months into taking it, um, my cholesterol was like way out of whack. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So
2: um, they put me on uh, lovastatin, which is a statin. I had actually asked if I could maybe change my diet and, or work out more and just maybe get more involved in doing it in a healthy way. And my doctor said, actually, it's very severe. Like your, your, your bad cholesterol is, you know, ungodly. It's in a really bad place. So they, they do draw your blood like they always say in the commercials before you take a stat and have your doctor check your liver. So they did, and my numbers were completely normal. Um, so they put me on it. And I, I took it for 12 days, um, and that was all it took. Uh, By the third day, I had actually called my sister-in-law who worked at that doctor's office and told her that uh, I had woken up in the the bathroom on the floor, um, freezing cold, trying to get warm in the shower, and I don't remember that. Uh, And then I just kind of went into what was considered um, a hepatic coma. I mean, you're you're awake, but your liver function is so bad that you're getting all the toxins in your brain. And basically, all I would do is say that my name is Herman, and I've hit my head on the wall repeatedly. So by the 12th day, I was admitted, and they uh, did a, um, a fine needle aspiration, which is a form of biopsy. And um, basically a week later, I got a message from the doctor stating that, you know, your liver is completely necrotic. And they, I mean, the challenging part was I, I was all of a sudden in the, in the hospital for three weeks with this mental disability. I didn't know who, who I was. I mean, I knew my name, but I couldn't remember anybody. I was my family or anything. And they're trying to figure out the history as to why within three weeks I went from being a normal person who had high cholesterol to being this, you know, liver failure, this person with liver failure. Um, so it was a little – I remember a little, a little bit about those three weeks, but it was too challenging. And once they kind of got me out of that funk, you know, I told them nothing had been different. I had, they thought maybe I had done some drugs or they didn't know what I had done to alter my, my, uh, my health. And then, you know, they kind of put two and two together and found out that 3% of people that take a triplo with lovastatin um, suffer chronic liver issues and mind-warping. Well, that, you know, that's not drunk.
1: just chronic. <laughs> well, no, And that, that's I what think they that call it. A, acute and severe.
2: It is what you know. It is scary too to think that. I mean, a lot of people I know take a tripla. Yeah. and you know, I've, anyone I know I've let know. You know, gosh, be easy where or if your cholesterol goes goes to the roof. Because I have some friends in Columbus that actually have. Uh, Called me to say, you know, my my cholesterol is really high. What drug did they put you on? And I'm thinking, if it could happen to me that quickly, you know, I I want other people to be aware, you know, that that, that it's a possibility. That you know, just to be really, really tuned into what's going on with your with their care, especially when they add another drug. Right. So, um,
1: well, you know, the the key the key ingredient in a Tripla is the efavirenz or the the S-tiva and um the studies have shown that Sestiva is so crazy um that there was a i remember a woman who had it was another liver issue but it was it she had a pre-existing liver problem mm-hmm. and when they put her on a tripla or in or in a combination of Sestiva, her whole her liver failed completely uh. Yeah. um, So, and then there's those of us who, uh, myself, who are on a triple, also have hepatitis C. So we're constantly measuring all of that. So all of this really hits home for me. Yeah. So
2: which it it should. You
1: you know, because Hep C is a liver problem. Right. And you know, in, in about 20 years, maybe. 10, 15, who knows, I
0: right. might
1: be, you know, I, I could be literally standing in your shoes. Right. That's true, true. So, yeah, this your story hits home with me.
0: And I kind
2: right. of felt it's like, I, it, it kind of felt to me that it would probably hit home with a lot of people. Um, ironically, it's been two years since I've had this transplant, and I have not met, I mean, they have not done another one, not that that's ironic, but I have not, um I haven't really had a chance to get to meet any other people that are having this issue. I mean, I've looked online, I've tried to find, um, actually today I joined a site that's called Patients Like Me and it's people who've had transplants. There's an HIV button, but when you click it, um, it doesn't pull up anything. Whereas if you click any one of the other side effects that people are having transplants or having issues with. So I still, I've never, I've not met anybody who's, Who's HIV positive that has had a transplant? I mean, I know there's a lot of kidney transplant transplants out there, um, but nobody with a liver transplant issue, and yet I, I know there's, it just scares me um, to think of of the issues that could come
1: from, you and, know, and just the multiple you know, issues. I, mean, I, I can remember a few years back, it was what? I, I think it was before Robert was born. Um, um, but uh, they actually considered you know making hiv people or hiv people hiv positive people ineligible for a liver transplant
2: really and see you know that that doesn't surprise me I never even thought that they considered it i mean for me when they said I was I was in acute liver failure. They said, basically, there's nothing for us to work with. Your liver will regenerate itself, but they're like yours is. When it's a prescription drug, it's less likely the body can um, reju- regenerate itself, whereas right. cirrhosis can, you know, has, you know people can regenerate their livers. But I, um, when they said that they would consider transplant, I just looked at them, like my mouth fell open, and, and all of a sudden this huge window opened. I thought, are you kidding me? I thought they were going to tell me, well, this is what we're going to try to do to keep you alive, but it doesn't look good. Um, And that was one of the main, like the the doctor, uh, wonderful guy at U of M had said that they they go into these meetings where they discuss who they're going to try to save, which has got to be, you know, just frightening, you know, I mean, for them to go into a room every day and discuss who they're going to give a chance. And I thought they never would have picked me, but thankfully, this particular doctor and and working on, his name was Dr. Uh, Pelletier at U of M in Ann Arbor. And Dr. Call, who is my infectious disease doctor at U of M in Ann Arbor, they had been kind of looking for someone like me to come along. Others have, but liver disease, when your liver's not functioning well, the rest of your organs kind of take a hit as well. So fortunately, um, because my uh, liver issues were so short, they came on so quickly, the rest of my body hadn't really been damaged. So... They said, you know, we're just going to – if you're willing to give this a whirl, we're ready to give it a whirl. And I didn't know that I – in their eyes, I only had two weeks left. I mean, they, they didn't tell me until after the
0: transplant that I wouldn't have made it in another couple of weeks. Herman, prior, prior, prior to the transplant, aren't you in a coma?
2: Well, it's called a hepatic coma. Um, you're not – it means that your bilirubin um, or the, the ammonia in your body is so high that's what causes you to turn yellow. But it's also really, really toxic for your brain. So it's almost kind of like having Alzheimer's but being conscious. So I was strapped into a bed, hooked up to monitors um, at the hospital. And when you come in to ask me, I mean, basically I'm useless to the doctors. They can't ask me questions. I don't know who my family is. Um, so it's it's a coma. In other words, you're I don't remember any of it. I was admitted the day after Christmas in 2007, and um, the next date that I recognized was January 13th. And I'm like, well, what happened to New Year? Like, what are we doing for New Year's? So they're like, hello, you know, dingbat, It's <laughs> way past. <laughs> and, I mean, my sister-in-law, even, I would get up every day and she'd take me for a walk. And I, there was this place I went in the hospital called my nook. It was a little heated hallway with a window and I would watch the snow. And I'd sit on this heater vent. And i say to them, oh, yeah, I'm going to take you to my nook. And she started crying. She said, Kermit, you've taken me there every day for the past two weeks. And I'm like, really? I'm like, wow, that's trippy. So that's when they explained that it was a coma, but you're not really unconscious you of your functioning, right. which is even a little bit scarier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah. So after they decided that they wanted to put you on the list, how long were you on the list for? Nine hours.
1: That, that is amazing.
0: I know. So, Isn't that
1: scary? Yeah. Uh,
2: so Basically, they told me you're... Right. Pardon?
1: Oh, I, I was just going to... I'm, I'm just saying that there's two factors to this transplant thing. Yeah. If you're getting an organ. Correct. That means someone else... You Pass. Know, and this is a hard part, right? That someone yeah. else would have to die Right. to get... For you to get that organ.
2: And for me to even possibly get an organ that's a match... You know, because there's, you know, the organ goes to the next, the, the, I mean, there's, it's called the MELD scale, and I forget what M-E-L-D stands for, but um, it's a way that they, they gauge, you know, how compliant you are with the rules the doctors give you, the severity of your need. Um, if your liver's improved, then they bump you back a little bit because you can use the liver you have a little bit longer. So they kind of, there's all these different things they do to gauge who's next. Because I was study positive, because they were looking for somebody like myself, um, because I was literally at the end of my line, the next available liver that came up just thank God happened to be somebody that worked for it worked for me um, unfortunately, I do not know who pardon
1: I said the stars and the planets were aligned
2: right, totally, and I mean. I had some issues with, I mean, unfortunately, some of the other people in my class, you have to take um, a transplant class with family members and stuff so they know what's entailed. The other woman in my class had been, she was going for a second class. She had been waiting um, a little over a year and a half, I think. And then the next time I saw her, I would had a transplant. And her family was completely floored and said, oh, apparently you have to have AIDS in order to get care around here. Um, And and I I felt like I was a little upset. I mean, I ended up crying because I was very emotional anyways. But um, I thought to myself, you know, if if that had been an opportunity for a female to have a transplant and it was because of a significant step forward in medical history, I would have been very happy for her. So I used that kind of to flip around on me and think, you know, Herman, actually, you can't be down because thankfully I, I survived it and... It was meant to be, and I can't believe that I'm actually the one that was lucky enough to, to be the first person that I could try this out on. Hmm.
0: Um,
2: at least in, I mean, in, in Michigan, my doctor says he doesn't know of anybody else um, that's had it done, and and they actually have uh, they have day long seminars where doctors come in from all over the region to discuss my case, which just makes me feel, I mean, it's it's amazing to me, but. At the same time, I feel like there's, I have an obligation to, you know, in, the, in whatever way I can, see that it doesn't happen to anybody else.
0: Well, I think that's well, awesome, um that you're uh, sharing about it because, like you said, somebody could be sitting there listening and going through thinking, you know, had the same thing done possibly and now had a transplant or HIV positive, and they don't have anybody else to connect with. So maybe, you know, the radio show will be able to help you connect with people, but you also gave me a good idea to actually create a group on POSIM now called, um, you know, Transplant Recipients. So it can help you also to find other people because there could be somebody on the site who may be, and we just don't know. Actually, you know, Robert did actually, a uh, guy did um, send me a friend request
2: on PO-IM, and I don't remember his name right off the bat, um, but he is actually in Chicago, currently inpatient in a, in a hospital, um, waiting for a kidney transplant, and he's HIV positive and he's got three children. And we've chatted back and forth a little bit, and um, it's nice. I mean, it's I don't even I don't know him. If anyone is, you know, has HIV, I automatically feel a, a connection with them, obviously. But to you know, for him to be going through this situation, waiting. I mean, I, I I didn't have to wait, so I feel a little sense of guilt for others that I was so fortunate. I mean, I, I shouldn't think that way, but. Um,
1: But I think, but I think that that's a really good idea. Guilt, okay.
2: Yeah, Jeremy, <laughs> they do. It's kind, of,
1: it's kind of that survivor's guilt, right? A little
2: bit, yeah. I think yeah. that makes it a little but, bit. It's odd. You know, because and,
1: it's, why did they choose me over that person? Oh yeah. what, You know, it, oh gosh. And, and, and,
2: and the thing, the thing that's amazing about it is that every day, every decision I make. I mean, I'm ai used to be carefree and happy before. Um, I I don't think I could. I mean, I have my bad days, but for the in the big picture, I because of that realization, you know, that I'm like being the chosen one in that situation. Um, I I have nothing to complain about. I mean, I, I'm so fortunate. I can't put I can't put a price tag on how how lucky I am as far as. In fact, I named my liquor my liquor my liver um, lucky. <laughs> I named my liquor lucky. No, my name is named is Lucky Liver, which is
0: really cheesy,
2: liver. but no. Little, lucky Little Ooh. Liver. Little lucky but little I do, lucky I mean, I think that's a good idea about putting, because it would be nice to know how many people are out there. I mean, I feel like I have to reach out to the West Coast or something because I haven't found anything here. But um, a lot of people don't like to share their information, it seems, because I have not yeah. found anything. And for me, I'm and, all about front page issues. I mean, like, I don't, I told them at use of them, I said, if, they wanted to make me their poster boy for HIV transplantation. And I said, I don't care if you put my scar on my belly or my face on whatever campaign you need to. Um, they did it successfully. And um, and I, I, I think that it shows great hope for for people who are going to have problems with their organs as a result of all these meds that we take to keep ourselves you know, in good health.
1: Mm-hmm. So what so, about rejection issues? Did you have... Any issues with with you know possible rejection or? Issues?
0: I've had
2: one I've had one issue in the past two years. Um, normally they happen within the first six months. Um, either you have uh, bile t- like the, the I forget what they're called the bile tube um, issues or or the rejection as far as the medications and the steroids and all the things that they have you take in order to you know keep your body from from damaging it. Um, but I, I actually, I forgot that there's, I'm not supposed to take any aspirin. I'm only allowed to take ty- Tylenol, which is ironic because it's really, that's like the number, one tylenol? Cause
1: of,
2: it's the number one cause of liver disease outside of liquor and alcohol.
1: Well, yeah, I'm tylenol, not to dude. Tylenol.
2: But it's taken it appropriately. If you take it right and follow the directions, it's not bad for you. But, um, I, uh, pulled my back shoveling this past winter and, uh, for five days I took Bayer back and body, not thinking I mean, sometimes uh-huh. I forget that I've had a transplant, but and um and I was going yeah they my numbers were really really bad and they thought I was going into rejection, but uh, once mm-hmm. they figured out that I had actually taken a pill um or the the Bayer
1: did you, um, I, did mean, you get it, lecture? It,
2: I Well, they just yeah they were very excited they were very glad that they knew what had caused it because they thought uh oh they have nothing to base they have no history to base choices right. on. So they're like, oh, my God, what do we do? We just need to kind of ride this one out. And when I told them I'd taken Bear back and body, the nurse literally hugged me. She said, oh, my God, thank God. Um, they, like, they celebrated that because they're like, okay, cool, we're still, like, the game is still on. I mean, they're really, I mean, just as excited I am, you know, but, yeah, they, they were really pleased that it was
1: a mistake. So, so you didn't get the sit-down lecture of, what have we told well, you? They reminded
2: me of, of everything of that, you know, and the, the list isn't very long. It's just, you know, that you can't mm-hmm. take certain pain relievers and a couple different foods
1: that I can't and take. So so we have a question in the in the chat room, actually. What about alcohol? Are are you allowed to have a moderate, you know, drink? Well, you manner, know, or?
2: that was the question that I had. I asked my doctor, um, you know, I said I had back then two years ago. Um, it was probably June, so it was a few months after my transplant. I said my nephew has an open house coming up. Am I allowed to drink anything? And they said, um, absolutely not as far as hard liquor goes. Um, Mm -hmm. An occasional glass of wine would be okay and um, Mm -hmm. beer once in a while. Uh, I didn't have, I mean, when I lived in Chicago, I didn't drink often. I mean, it was, you know, maybe once every other week. Um, And then there was a long period of time where I didn't drink. Uh, So because I don't have that in me, they're not really worried. I mean, I, I have beer in the fridge. I bought it probably three weeks ago. And um, had one of them, and they're still in there. eyes. I mean, it's so it's not in their eyes. It's not one something that they're concerned about. But right. everything in moderation. I mean, if you know a couple of beers, he's not even blinking an eye about it. He said wine is actually good for you, like they always say, wine is good for you, and it, it applies. Um, but I do notice that, like, I have had a glass of wine, and um, I really do feel the effects of it. A couple of sips of wine, and I
0: can feel it. So. Yeah, no, you're I just, cheap drunk. But I um I yeah, I just listen. To, I really,
2: really pay attention to my body and I don't wanna have a fear moment, like, oh my god, what have I done? So I just I don't put myself in that position.
1: Good for you. Good so, for you. So yeah.
2: And it I mean it, it amazes me too, just the whole the whole concept behind it. the fact that I have doctors that are like winging it. I mean Mm-hmm. you 're on medications to boost your immune system, and then those same medications are boosting the immune system that they're trying to diminish with the retro, i mean with the um rejection medications because those actually reduce your it's just it amazes me that and my and my liver numbers are they're that of a normal healthy person i mean there's nothing oh. off about them so i wait it's yeah it just gives me a lot of hope for for future you know issues that come up with medications and people's health because relatively speaking, I mean, a lot of people have been taking, some people have been taking meds for a long time, but a lot of us have only been taking them for, you know, less than 10, 12, maybe 15 years, and they've gotten a lot better. But you know how like some things have long-term side effects, like my dad never had illegal drugs or, you know, he drank occasionally. Um, So, when he got older, it wasn't until he was in his late seventies that he started to deteriorate a little bit. Um, I just wonder now nowadays what's going to happen earlier on and as, you know, we get into our fifties and sixties, which is, you know, only about ten years away for me, so
0: <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Shoot scared. Hush yeah. you. <laughs> I mean, I'm not afraid of that I
2: though. Know. I mean, for me, if I make it to fifty, that's a big hurrah. For me. So, I, right. you know, I'm looking forward to 50 or 60 if, if I'm fortunate enough to make it that
0: far. So am I. Uh, real oh, quick, I just want to remind people, if you're just tuning in, uh, you're listening to POSIM Radio. Uh, you have Jeremy Dunn and myself, Robert Brining. We're speaking tonight with Herman Young. Um, if you're interested in calling in and either speaking with us or if you have a question, want to have a comment, uh, you can reach us at 347-215-9442. Now, Herman, what is – another question coming out of the chat room here is what is um, – the largest change since your transplant, health-wise. The largest what, I'm sorry? Change. The largest in, change? In
2: since what, transplant. in my... Since my transplant? I mean, for me as a person or health-wise? Health-wise. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I, I almost feel like I'm healthier. Well, I mean, it's probably because I have a healthier... I'm living more... Mentally, have, I'm, I'm living healthier. I mean, I, I have a much more optimistic outlook on life. As far as my health goes, you know, I I can say that I have, um, I'm on steroids still, um, which have complicated my vision to a degree. Um, Every now and then I have what's called an ocular migraine and um, it's like someone smearing uh, vaseline in your eyes while you're driving, which it's happened while I was driving. Um, You know, that's really the only strange thing that I've had happen um, since uh, since the transplant. And, And as far as like my energy levels are through the roof. Um, I'm actually more active. I, I run races now and I think I do it now because I'm not just like an average person who can run. Like I feel like, okay, if I don't run, you know, I need to take advantage of the fact that I can run and maybe not do as well, but say, Hey, I had a liver transplant and I'm HIV positive. So woohoo. And it was like, yay, that's so cool. Um, <laughs> you
1: know, but
2: it's, as far as my health goes, I, I can't say that things have changed a lot. I mean, the medication, I will be rather frank with you, has definitely altered my uh, my sex drive, um, which kind of, you know, prednisone is a steroid, and
1: uh-huh. they
2: say that could have something to do with it. And then some of the HIV medications, too. Um, I don't know, but it's – I have a wonderful boyfriend, and, and uh, you know, it's you – know, I'm just comfortable with where my body is. And, and they said after they slow me down with the prednisone that things might perk back up a little bit. Um, but it hasn't been an issue when i wanted to. When I've wanted to, it's been fine. It's just that drive is not as important anymore for some reason. It's, it's just kind of good and bad, but, you know, it's better than the alternative, which is, you know, not being here at all. So,
1: Absolutely. Very and to. so with prednisone, have you noticed any changes in your
2: um, moods? Oh uh, yeah, because actually I, I'm. Co- go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say because I I know that when I'm on prednisone, I literally go into roid rage. My my are angry? Yeah. Yes. See, you
2: know that that's funny that you say that because I um, I would call I would say that I have a little bit more of an emotional twitch. Um, recently actually when I went to my doctor, I asked them if possibly if they could put me on, um, a little bit of a mood enhancer, um. And, gosh, I don't even remember the name of the one that they put, that we were going to put me on. I haven't started it yet. But because I can get up in the morning some days, and we just – I have a dog, and we just got another dog. Um, and it's kind of chaotic around here. And I get up in the morning, and, and I'll be, like, so hypersensitive to the point that I will – I fight with my boyfriend about it. And, um, and I work with him um, in his part-time job uh, doing landscaping now that it's nice out. And, like, an hour later, I'm like, who's a grump? You know, it's like it's completely gone. But so I feel it's almost kind of like a Sybil kind of thing. Um, it is totally, like, and I can talk. I can pretty much talk myself out of any mood. Like if I'm having a bad mood, it's normally something I can just yank myself out of. But you know, I have I've never had to deal with that before, and I wish I could remember the name of that drug because I'm curious if anyone else is, is taking it. Um, Zolos is what he gave me,
1: and I haven't started uh, yeah.
2: taking it. Yet. And I'm debating on whether or not I want to because it really is. The mood issues I do have are very situational and they're very rare but yeah and and I think that that's a prednisone thing because i um if I think I'm gonna get, have a fit, I almost start sweating at first i mean i my body responds to to my thoughts very quickly, yeah. it's kind of like that road that roid rage thing kind of comes into effect
1: it does and and similarly um a tripla the sestiva again sestiva funny how it all leads back to that one is um, it because it's the only HIV medicine that crosses the blood-brain barrier. Um, really? Yeah. It's the only one that crosses that blood-brain barrier, and it also increases anxiety and depression and things like that. So... Wow. ...to be on a mood stabilizer. I love it. I don't and it works. <laughs> it works. I mean
2: yeah, that's what
0: saying. I don't.
2: I'm unpackable, so okay. Well, we'll see. But, I'm uh, I'm I'm not gonna start it until for a couple of weeks, but I hopefully it works because I I think considering all the the pills I do take a lot of pills. Um, I. I think I'm fortunate, you know, and I have to remember sometimes that when I do have those kind of irritable days, that actually you know I guess it's probably due. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I can't slight myself even though I do, but.
1: Yeah, I was on um
0: <laughs> I actually uh, took I was on Zoloft for a while too. Um and that that stuff really messes with your brain. That's for me. I mean I know it's you know your medicines are individual for everybody and it really has to depend on your mindset when you go into the you know, when you when you start taking meds and not you know I'm not saying I'm 100% against meds. It's, you know the world's a little over medicated, I think at times. Uh, I agree. Well, but but yeah, Zoloft kind of made me really like yeah like real like anxious and real like snippy.
2: Really, see now that's one thing. And, and the thing about starting something like that is, I don't I don't know that I necessarily need it, but I think I need to get something to get me through until I'm done with this Prednisone because it was supposed to be done with it a year ago, and it's really you know you can't miss it at all because basically your adre- it shuts your adrenal system down. And I guess all that stuff is interconnected. See, I see someone said symbiosis. is what they take Dwayne, did it. I don't huh? Yeah. I don't know. I, I've got to think about that because I really, you know, I, I think that part of what has got me through the whole transplant thing and the HIV thing is um, my outlook on life. If you, like when they said I needed a transplant, I thought, well, what's next? Um, I didn't feel like, okay, well, when am I going to die? I thought, what, you know, what's next? Like, what, well, what are we going to do about it? And I never once, when they said transplant, I just assumed I would make it through it all, and, and I didn't have any problems, knock on wood, you know, none, besides that one little issue a, a few months ago. But we know what caused that. And I don't want anything that's going to make me piss here, bitchy, because a pissy Herman is not a happy Herman, and, and that's kind of where, <laughs> where I get it. And, you know? I, right, very I kind true. Of, I kind of get my my zest for, you know, ba- being in a great place, um Internally, you know, I pull it from you know the person I am, and I don't want yeah, perfect. <laughs> I just had a little smiley with the little horns. I don't want to be that little
0: devil, <laughs> at least not. Yeah, I'm you know, sure. Not I'm sure I'm in control of it, you know. Uh, I'm oh. sure your boyfriend um wouldn't want that, bitchy Herman either. <laughs> well, no, and yeah, the thing is, is that he has
2: a way of of not letting my moods bother him, which would bother me even more. <laughs> yeah, you know, so if I was having a really pissy moment and he was getting used to it, like, oh, he's just being pissy, then I would probably be agitated even more. There's that damn so, train. But um, I know someone has just asked how old I, mean, I am welcome now. Welcome to
1: Charlotte, North Carolina. That's where the train goes through. Yippee! <laughs> um,
2: to answer Dwayne's question, I actually uh, turned 40 a week from today.
1: <gasps>
0: Happy birthday!
1: Oh, Yay. God, the big four
0: Isn't that weird? I don't know. I
1: feel
0: like a 12-year-old. That's the question. <laughs> that's funny. Herman, one thing I was going to ask you, because um, we're getting down to the last couple of minutes, um, when you, after you got the transplant, um, you know, this may be something you never thought of be- doing before or it may have been something that you've done, but have you ever sought out to find the family of the person whose liver you got?
2: Um, actually, I really want to very badly, um, mm-hmm. but they they said fa- basically the family knows everything. They need everything that they want to know about me, um, but they don't want to. Um, they don't want me to know anything about them. I guess. And and I told I told the re- the coordinator the transplant coordinator. I said you know please you know because this is you know I mean, it means the world to me. If they ever want to know if they ever want to meet me because things because this is a very unique case that I'm so 100% gung-ho about it. Um, the guy was, it was a guy. He was um, um, a little bit older than me. I think he was like in his late 40s. Um, so that whole aspect of it is, you know, but he was really, really healthy. And I'm like, gosh, you know, I, I feel bad. Like every year on, um, you know, February 25th, I'm celebrating and I'm grateful for the last two years I'm grateful that I've made it, but then I also, you know, in my heart, I have that, you know, I feel – I think of the family, and I try to visualize them because um, I know they're going through a horrible time, and, and it does take a while to get over it. It's, you know, you never get over that. And I don't know if you have a family. I don't know if you had a wife and kids. I don't know if – you know, this, so that part of it's
1: kind it's of – It's that I'm whole survivor's man. guilt. It, it, yeah, it is. It's that survivor's guilt, you know, because – it and and I've talked to a couple of, um, actually several transplant um, recipients. Um, I have talked to um, a couple kidney transplant. You're the, my first liver transplant, by the way. Wow. But uh, um, well, yeah, yeah you're my first. My, yeah. I'm I'm a virgin. Um, you're, you're a liver
0: transplant virgin. <laughs> I'm a
1: liver virgin. Um, and, and, and and you know I've talked to a couple heart transplant um, recipients, uh, kidney transplant recipients. Heart transplants. Yes. I but I I have four people in my family that have all gotten heart transplants. Uh, I'm not sure seriously how wow. they feel. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, That's yeah.
2: amazing. It's amazing. But
1: it and they all go and and everybody that I've talked to has gone through the same thing. It's this survivor's guilt and and it, it's that whole I'm alive, they're not and then I feel guilty about that.
2: Well, I, I mean, let me tell you, I mean, as far as feeling guilty, I, I feel for them. I have empathy for what they're going through, um, and not to diminish, like, not to make me sound like an ass, but they, it's um, it's there, but I don't let it dictate my my progression um, or, or the moment because, and it's sad. I mean, it is, you're right, it is, there it comes again. It's sad, but... Ultimately, I'm alive and, and, and this situation is very, um, for me, I, up until, I mean, my life has been exciting, but this is one thing, you know, that I've, that I'm really, not that I'm glad it happened to me, but as a result of it, I'm glad that I'm the kind of person that has not kind of hidden away or um, I want to do something with it. And, and this has been my first actual step towards getting the word out there. Um, I never really knew what or how to go about, you know, getting to spread the word to people outside of my own big mouth, which, you know, I'm willing
0: to talk to anybody about it, but just haven't had the form to do it. And, this and I think awesome. that's the most that's like the most amazing thing, you know what I mean, that you're so ready and want to talk about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I and, think and, it's and really, really important. Yeah, I do too. And, and part of it also is,
2: um, I mean, I know what happens to me. Um, and I had that information, but I, I'm I'm curious, you know, how to get out and reach out to other people so I can see what happened to them so that there's more, you know, there's just more chat and conversation about it or there's a place for people to go because had I not been so fortunate with the transplant, I mean, I didn't. it was nine hours. I, I got home and I didn't even unpack yet, and they had called me and said, you need to come back because we're going to give you a liver. I mean, I hadn't even unpacked. Most people wow. have time to go home and spend a couple weeks online or whatever, a year online you know, looking for support and I wouldn't
0: have I wouldn't have found anything, you know. So very true. I'm gonna um actually call a couple um of my friends to see if they know um people, who, you know, who know large groups of people and I I'm gonna see what I can do to try to hook you up to maybe, you know, get some sort of attention to this and, and to bring That's you not- into the spotlight a little bit more. I think that would be great. Um one of the questions I did want to ask, do you feel did you feel any kind of like like differently at all like kind of like as a person like because you have a piece of another person inside of you like do you sometimes feel like you're doing something different and maybe that oh like could know, all of a sudden I speak like um Korean or something <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like, I, don't I don't know, know. <laughs> all of a sudden I was craving Korean food
2: um no I not I mean not really um I guess I, I don't really know how to answer that question it's um like I mean, yes, I'm aware of the fact that I have this other, this you know, this other part of this person in me, and, and other people have actually looked at me and, and thought, "Wow, you know, it's so bizarre," and they touch my belly and say, "You know, someone else is still living in you." Um, so that that side of it, I mean, it's just amazing to me. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it totally <laughs> does. <laughs> <laughs> totally
0: um, makes sense. <laughs>
2: um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just I. I don't even know what else to say about it. So it's just still, now now that I'm talking more about it, it, it's surreal. Um, And, of course, you know, it's one of the first things, like, if I meet somebody or, um, you know, like, before I met the voice that I have now and I would try to meet people, you know, on different chat sites, just trying to put myself out there, you know, I was extremely insecure. I mean, the the stigma of being HIV positive and then having this transplant, I'm like, ugh, I'm I'm, I'm like a broken beach ball. No one wants to play. Uh, but but over time, you know, once I started putting that out there and, you know, telling people what had happened and, you know, that this guy, I don't know if he was an accident or what, but thankfully because of this person that passed away, you know, that I had this second chance, um, I, I instead of feeling guilt about it and feeling remorse and, you know, like rejected, I, I started claiming it. And on some of the, the chat sites where I was trying to look for a date, the first thing was that I'm an HIV-positive male, and I would mention that I had a liver transplant. And that's why my current boyfriend, who's negative, sought me out because he thought, wow, this guy's been through a lot, and he's still smiling and he's happy. Um, so, you know, and, and fortunately,
0: it worked out well enough that we are happy and groovy.
1: That's awesome. I think that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: It's, uh, it, it's definitely amazing, and, and you are definitely Herman here for a reason.
1: Oh, you know, everything happens
0: for a reason, and and you, you yeah you're here for a mission, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know I just I need I need help defining and, and, and kind of figuring out um, what
2: I can do to utilize that. Um, I mean I've done some volunteering for the Lansing Area AIDS Network uh, with their food bank, and um, but I haven't really I do the AIDS Walk in Flint. I'll do it this year in Lansing, uh, but that's I haven't done a ton, and there's a lot more that I can do because of the whole transplant side of it that I just need to, you know, maybe with your guys' help or maybe with, you know, some, with this forum that, you know, I might meet other people that might have ideas and say, well, why don't we do this? Or this is a great idea. And, um, because I'm so gung-ho for it, you know, I'm just, I, I do agree that, you know, that the fact that I survived this and that I do not have a problem with the fact that I'm HIV positive, it doesn't, it, to me, it's not something that I feel takes away from me at all. It's irrelevant. Um, and the fact that, you know, I've had this transplant is just, you know, another stamp on the top of it that, you know, makes me realize that, I you know, there's more I should do and there's more that I, you know, want to help in whatever way
1: I can. Well I, so, I agree. I
0: think, um you, yeah. I,
1: I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, and, and those folks who are listening, if you are eligible and you are able to become an organ donor because... If, if you are an organ donor, then that is truly the gift of life. It, it, it really is. is. And, and, and those of us who are HIV positive and have hepatitis C, we, we can't be organ donors, but our families and our friends and um, family members can be who, right. are, who are not HIV positive and such. But become a encourage your family members and friends to be an organ donor. All they have to do is say yes. On their driver's license. And their driver's license.
2: And, and I, 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 do that on my, on my Facebook once in a while. I, I always post a little picture. That says, donate life. And, I mean, I don't know if there's things that. I mean, even if you can't donate your organs, if you're positive, I, I, wonder if there's still ways that they can use you in a teaching hospital. I don't know what, but things that, you know, help improve, you know, the, people's health in the future.
1: You know, so, you know. Awesome. The, Thank you for and, mentioning and that. And there's, there, there is a lot of debate. Among, especially amongst um, religious organizations that, you know, you know, the whole resurrection of Christ and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But um, so a lot of people just say, you know what, this body is a vessel, and your soul moves on. It, and if you believe that, then I, I think that's great. Then that should give you all the more empowerment and all the more um, – Reason? Uh, Reason, thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> all, all the more reason to 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 become an organ donor and and to give that um, that that gift that that gift we call life that a lot of us take advantage of so much. But I believe we are down to our last minute.
0: Yes, oh, we God. are, Herman. So I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your amazing story of survival, and I wish you much luck and, and long life. And um, I you. hope that we can definitely um, try to put you into the spotlight a little bit more in regards to transplants and HIV. That would be awesome. I would really appreciate it. And thanks for all that you guys do
2: um, with the, this you. Talk Radio and with talk I Am.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. I wish thank I could guys, have I'm a great night because I, just, I feel like hugging you. Uh, oh, you can hug I'll me. I'll give you a virtual hug.
0: Some give me back. a virtual heart. I can hear it. A virtual no, heart. and I I, think I definitely right. look, I look Yeah, so I want to thank Herman for coming on. Um, I had to I'll give him, him a virtual heart. Final seconds. Just real quick, guys. For more information on the radio show, you can go to posim.com. For more information on Jeremy, you can go to positivelyspeaking.com. That's positively with a Z. Next week, Jeremy, you'll be joining me. Um, Sean Becker, author of My Pet Virus, will be on uh, the show. And we yeah, will be speaking with him.
1: And what's funny is he and I have been tweeting a little bit back and forth. Right. Let's so uh,
0: just real quick, I'll go to the logo, check out the new HIV segment that's up there, and don't forget to go to TalkingAbout.info and check out my interview. Have a great night, everyone, and we'll see you Thanks, next week.
1: everybody. Thank you, Herman. We love you.